electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the true state of stocks and whether tech is still in danger of a more dramatic pullback. We will debate that today with our investment committee and joining me for the hour are Joe Terranova, Stephanie Link, Carrie Firestone is the CEO of Arias Asset Management. CNBC's Jim Cramer is with us as well. He is the host, of course, of Mad Money. Let's take you to the wall. Let's check the markets. The S&P Nasdaq at risk now of being down for the fifth time in six days. Jim, there it is. Tech is selling off again. Dow's now down 140. Is this a sign, do you think, of how fragile the market remains? Well, I think that what we've got is a range. I don't think it's anything really terrific, and I don't think it's anything bad. Uh, one of my favorite technicians, Larry Williams, who I was the dean when I was in diapers, he was doing great stuff. We've been going back and forth about the notion that, look, it, until we get closer to the election, he's using October 20th by, by the way. I only mention because neither one of us thinks there's anything catastrophic ahead. But neither one of us is excited. And if you are excited, if you think we're going to return to the days when stocks only go up, you will be disappointed, Scott. And I just <laughs> think that what we're seeing with the Tesla is emblematic of what can happen if you get too excited about anything. One of the central questions, I think, Jim, is whether tech has gone down enough rel- uh, relative to how much it ran up. And I, I bring that up. You, you know, you look at the fangs month to date. Apple's down 14 and a half. Microsoft's down nine and a half. You go Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook down 11, 12 and 13 and a half. Here's what Mike Wilson told us yesterday, Jim, from Morgan Stanley, thinking that tech could have a, a ways to go before it's done. All right. Well, we don't have you know that, what? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. Just, no, I thought Mike. That. I saw Mike and you know, Mike put a, it was a little shiver. Why? Because Mike is fabulous and you have him on. I always stop and make it louder. Uh, what I would say to Mike is, is that I think we're going to try to find levels. I thought when Apple was down 25 percent on Monday, we found that level. I think we can go back to that level. When I work with Stephanie, she knows that what I feel in these situations is, you know what? The despair that you get is more of a bottom than a top. Right, Steph? I mean, we we can't when we start despairing, recognize, wow, it's time to sell. You made me make levels of stocks that I would buy on the declines every single day. That was the first thing I sent to you every morning. Every day. But here's the thing. I mean, so <clears throat> I know you've had Fang correct, but Apple is still up 51%. Amazon's still up 65% on the year. Microsoft up 28%. I'm not even talking about the crazy Zooms of the world or NVIDIA. Those are up much, much more. And so, sure, I think you could be um, see this, this group be a bit vulnerable. The, the thing, I totally agree with you about feeling kind of blah about the market. I think the next couple of weeks are kind of like... Right. 
we, we bounce around. We have to wait till we hear from earnings. Earnings actually start next week, but they really got come into full force on the week of the 12th of October. And that's when we're going to hear what companies have to say. In the meantime, you have a push-pull. You have progress on vaccines, progress on tests, solid economic data. We got another PMI today that was very good. Mm-hmm. Offset by no idea what's happening with fiscal, no idea what's happening on the elections, the Supreme Court nomination, what's the timing of that. So all of these things are at force at this point, and it's going to be hard to see a material upside until we get fundamentals and hear what companies have to say. I've got the, um, the uh, aforementioned Mike Wilson sot. Let's listen to that now, and we can react to it on the other side. Here's Mike from yesterday with us. We have to recognize that August was a bit of a blow-off move centered on those technology stocks. So that's where the correction has been the harshest. And so if you're going to have more of a correction, then it would make sense that the damage would be greatest there. So that's the sound, um, Jim, from, from what Wilson was talking about, who suggested you could go back and test the 200-day moving average, which means you've got another 11 to 12% downside potentially on the NASDAQ 100. Well, look, Apple did go down 25% intraday, so I think that that could be a, a, a certainly a roadmap. I, I, Steph, I totally hear you about how much they're up, but I would also argue, so what? Uh, I care about where they're going to, not where <laughs> they've been. And frankly, these companies are amazing. They are doing incredible things. And as long as we don't have a vaccine, they will continue to great things. And it, look, I am going to do what you said you weren't. You said I'm not going to mention Zoom. I want to talk about Zoom for a second. Zoom is the way we communicate. (laughs) So I have no idea what price Zoom is worth. I do know that there are people who say it's worth more than it's selling for. And that cohort is out there buying. I don't know whether it's the Robinhood cohort. Scott, I don't know who's paying up 500. I know that for NVIDIA, my Chapel Trust uh, felt that it was a good level So, because of the arm deal. So I guess what I'm saying is we have a have, have not, and we're all trying to figure out how much we'll, we'll sell the haves, when in the meantime... There are people who say, please get me out of everything other than stuff that works. And we're talking about the stocks that work. Well, the thing is, you know, Carrie, you sold a third of your Apple, right? I mean, this is a stock that has worked. Yes, it's pulled back. It maybe needed to pull back a bit, yet you sold a third of it. Well, the Nasdaq had gone up 17% in the six weeks before September 2nd. And, and there was just the idea, I think this is what we do in this business, is when stocks get, get expensive or extended and you bought it at 14 times earnings and then it's over 30 times earnings, maybe that's a good exit point for some of the stock. We were overweight Apple. If you're equal weight Apple, you still own over five, five and a half percent of a portfolio is in Apple. So selling a third of that position was not saying we hate the stock. It's just that we took some profit. And the same was true of Twilio, which we've sold, I think, three times over the past few months. Uh, We've sold some PayPal. These were just great companies that had gotten extended as the market was extended. So now what we've seen, which I, I think is really to what Jim and Stephanie are talking about is that the market has broadened. I understand it's choppy now, and I think that makes sense for the next month and a half. But if you look at a chart that we put together that shows that for the year, 37% roughly of the S&P names are, are above the index. But if you look at the last month, that's double. It's like 78% of stocks in the S&P are ahead 
of the average. And it shows that the market has broadened. It shows that we are not just looking at technology stocks. I know the market has come down lately, but for the quarter, it's still up 6%. Well, and we need the market to be broader if we're going to go higher and find that level of support for the entire market. The, the danger, Joe, of selling um, things like Apple and taking profits in some of these names like PayPal or maybe Twilio, J&J begins the final stage of its vaccine testing. You've got the House passing the stopgap funding bill. You've got Nike knocking it absolutely out of the park with its earnings. And you've got Jay Powell reminding everybody yesterday that the Fed is going to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes. And that's the underpinning that bounces off of the, the negative view of, of where the market could go. What do you do with that? Well, I think what you do with that information is you understand that with all of that information presented, the market is unfortunately today uh, still trading a little bit lower. So I still define the market as vulnerable. I tend to agree with what Jim said technically. I think the price damage for the market has been done. I think now it's just a matter of the time damage. And the risk when you talk about time damage is that something were to present itself into the marketplace that's an unknown that maybe could extend the uh, price decline further. So I still have positioning where I'm having uh, volatility protection as relates to the VIX. Um, but back to technology, Scott, I still think, I still believe that technology is the market. And if Mike Wilson is talking about technology visiting the 200-day Boy, I'll tell you what, I'd love to be able to buy Apple at 84 or Amazon at 24.35 or Microsoft at 182 because that's where the 200-day moving average is. And if we go down there, those are the names, the very first names that investors will go and buy. Well, well Jim, you, that, that would be another you know, 11 or 12% down or so. Look, you said this morning that the market is still divided by companies that need a vaccine right. versus companies that don't need a vaccine. I was listening to that conversation. So are, are we back to we need to consider things like the Kramer COVID index? Yes. Look, we're entering the fall. We, yeah, we've we got do. a tick up in cases in a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, look, what we have to do is buy the companies that look, what, what was the real triumph of Nike? That it could do this well in a pandemic. Because when you actually look at the numbers, a lot of analysts just didn't think they could possibly have greater China plus eight. They didn't think that North America was going to be uh, anywhere near positive. It was minus two. I mean, when you look at it, what, what Nike did was say, you know what? We don't really care about COVID. We're going to do the numbers. So suddenly that goes into the, the buy category. Whereas meantime, we have a lot of companies that periodically look like that they that, that because we're going to have a vaccine or they can triumph over it, they're, they're okay. I'm, I refer, and I don't mean to to be too reverential to uh, to staff, but when she said buy Freeport at 10-11, well, because that looked like we were going to be coming out of this. Well, now it's going back down. I happen to like DuPont. That looks like it's going back down. And some of these stocks, uh, Carrie, behind you is a painting, okay? That painting is worth more than some of the Robinhood stocks. <laughs> It's true. I mean, turn around. There it is. I'm telling you, that painting so. is it's much more, worth much more than some of the Vaxxer workhorses. You know what I mean? So we have a we have a group of stocks. I'm sorry, stocks that are worth less than that painting. And then we have a lot of companies that are like, wow, I didn't know that they could do that well in a pandemic. And we want to own those. And we want to sell the ones that we knew would do well in a pandemic. Witness General Mills, which I liked. I love a three and a half percent yielder that just raised the dividend when everyone was so worried about it. Generous Mills is back. 
but people don't like it. So PepsiCo me- plus three. Who doesn't want PepsiCo with that yield down from 147 to 130? But, I but, say buy it. So, but what, what you're also saying, though, is, is maybe this move that we saw into industrials and materials um, is done. Could be head fake. For the, for the, for the time being. It feels being. head fakeish. It feels head fakeish because not if the data is still not if the data is coming in better. Well, I mean, the market but, uh, PMI today yeah, was but, actually better than but expected. But Steph, the problem is, I mean, the, isn't the there? Data, the, the, but 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 it anticipated that, Steph. I, w- I would I. I'm just saying, though, that, wait a minute, we're not rolling hard in the economic data. No. If anything, we're actually continuing to be better than expected. And maybe it's not, maybe you don't want to be in industrials. I certainly want to have exposure because I do think the global growth story makes a lot of sense. And they're cheap and they're under-owned, the exact opposite of technology. That's not to say I don't want to own technology. I do. I own a lot of these technology names. I have been trimming Facebook. I had trimmed Amazon, still own a big well, chunk of it. Well, but have, I want a barbell at this point. We all had to trim them. My because channel just because we, we, we became the Apple fund, for heaven's sake. But I'm just saying, right. I'm just but saying. It, but it's not just manufacturing. It's not. Well, I was just going to simply say it's not just manufacturing, right? I mean, look at the housing data. I mean, that's not slowing in any which way, shape, or form. Look at parts of the consumer. You mentioned have and have nots. There are absolute winners in the, ha- in the, in, in the consumer on the haves side. You and I could list a, 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 like a dozen right off the top of our head, right? I but mean, why that's, is we housing, know who, who's winning and we know who's not. Well, why is housing doing well? Because there are people who are leaving big cities and buying houses and people who are in these suburban areas who take a look at the amount of appreciation of their home price and and putting their house up for sale and saying, if I get my number, I'm out. And they'll figure something out and they'll move. Isn't that representative of those In my conversation with my wife, we had that conversation. (laughs) I said, wait a second, I like my house. She goes, what does that have to do with it? That's right, because if you can get your number, I mean, a lot of people are looking for a number all over the place. There are houses in the suburbs that are for sale all over the place. It's, a, it's certainly a sign of strength in the housing market, but it's not, a, it's not a sign of strength in the economy. It's a sign of where we are with the virus. We get Isn't a vaccine, right? my house is going to lose half its value. I got to move. I mean, I think interest rates are playing a huge role. I think millennials are actually playing a huge role in terms of housing. You listen to Lennar, you listen to Dr. Horton, you listen to the, oh, these home, home builder companies that have starter homes as a big percentage of their total revenue, and they're off the charts. New and buy KB homes at Lenar, to, down to an F? 16%. We buy KB homes right now, Steph? What? We know that Lennar was down the day it reported, okay? Hi. So why not buy KB homes right here? Yeah, yeah. You are? I think you can, you can. I happen to own and like Dr. Horton much better because I like their landlight model right. and I like the fact that they do have starter home exposure. And they did the and same like thing. It went team. down yes, when it reported and then it bounced. Yep. So yep. speaking speaking of that, right. uh, my I point is is it's not just ma- yeah. No, go ahead, Steph. I apologize. I, I, I was I just going to say. Go Sorry, I was just I was just going to say, I just want to reiterate, it's not just manufacturing and industrials that I want to own. I want to own other parts of the economy that are cyclical, right? I mean, housing is cyclical, but their st- those stocks are still really, really cheap. And the consumer, again, they are, there's parts that are still very, very strong. And I think the consumer confidence has stayed quite strong, too, remarkably so, given all that's going on. Joe, I, I don't want to sort of gloss over what Nike delivered. Do you, do you want to, I mean, you own Nike. Um, you want to buy Nike up 10% though today? Yep. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's you know, I was asked that, I was asked that question about owning Nike when it was 100 and 105. People challenged myself and Stephanie on the ownership. Digital sales are the key. They talked about digital sales being a third of overall revenue within three years. Now you're talking about over 50% for digital sales. So it's it's clearly astronomical what Nike has been able to do. 
um, it's, it's as compelling of an earnings report as you're going to be able to find. And you know what? There's an ESG element to Nike. Everyone that I talk to in terms of ESG funds, they all talk about technology and Apple and Amazon and Microsoft. And then they say, here comes Home Depot, here comes Visa, and here come Nike. And if you add that ESG element to it, very easy to see how Nike trades at 150 to 155. Jim, you want to buy Nike up 10, 10%? Yeah, actually, oh, that's the I, thing. Uh, I think Nike is still too cheap. It shouldn't have been where it was. It should have been at 113 the day before. A lot of people got faked out. I think it's just a classic. You don't need uh, a vaccine story for them to do well. It's just going to get better, better. The guidance is really terrific. Uh, all I want to go back, just to go back to what I'm saying, is I see a lot to like in the market. So I don't need to focus on buying Amazon right here when I can, when I can look at a PepsiCo at 3%. Look at General Mills. I want some, I want some income here, guys. I mean, nothing's changed with the bond market. Jay Powell just told you, you're not going to get any income. So I want income. And General Mills is going to give me income without, with a consistent growth rate. I want that right now. I, that pleases me. So, Jim, Johnson & Johnson will give you income. Well, but Jim, change. I love J&J. I was singing the praises of J&J. Was like, I was like, I pledge allegiance to J&J. <laughs> One nation under J&J. You know, I mean, whatever. I don't want to get in trouble, but I think that uh, Alex Gorski is absolutely terrific. Boy, if Jenny was on the show today, yeah. I mean, this would be music to her, her ears in, in terms of hmm. looking for dividend stocks. Why not? Why can't we get some income? What are you going to I mean, if you, I get more income from Bitcoin. That's a joke. Bitcoin <laughs> yeah. gives you no income. So. It's, a, it's, a, it's a crypto joke. The other um, interesting move uh, today, uh, Joe, is, is Twitter. Twitter got a, uh, Twitter got a big upgrade. It stocks at the highest level, I think, in like two years. What are you doing with Twitter, Joe? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, stock's about to make a five-year high above June uh, of 2018's 47.79. You know I follow momentum uh, quite a bit. I bought Twitter this morning on the momentum. I read the analyst's note. Uh, I like the fact that the setup going into earnings has very low expectations. But this is a stock based on price momentum that is going to break out above that five-year high. It's going to trade into the mid-50s, and I clearly see you've got 20 to 25% of potential upside from where it is right now. When momentum, which has been lagging for over five years in Twitter, <coughs> finally builds, you see it coil, and you finally see it spring forward, um, that's a very powerful dynamic to enter into the marketplace right now. And, and I think that's the biggest catalyst. Steph? Yeah, I, I, I own it. Um, I think the momentum really kicked in last quarter when their monetizable daily average users, which is what the stock trades on, it rose 35% year over year. And then they also at the same time showed very big discipline in expense management. Expenses rose 5%, but that compared to up 18% in the first quarter. So you had a lot of operating leverage. And, and so I still, I still like the stock. I don't know if I'd chase it up here, um, but um, I, I think that this is a good one. And oh, by the way, it trades at a discount on price to, sale, price to sales to snap by nine points. So I think there could be some catch up there. Well, I mean, we're willing to chase Nike where it is. Jim, do we chase Twitter here? Yeah, look, I had Ned Siegel on. Uh, who was the CFO uh, a couple of weeks ago. And he told the story. And at the end of it, I said, 
Wow, I had no idea it was this good. I didn't know direct response was that good. Sports is coming back. This is an amazing story. And it fell flat. It was like I, I was talking to Steven Seagal, Ned, Ned Seagal. I mean, and his career. <laughs> this thing was amazing. And it finished, <laughs> I said, how much is going to be up? All right, maybe it'll be up a dollar, maybe a dollar and a half. In direct response, they got a great the daily, monthly going to daily. Nothing. It went down. And I was like, are you kidding me? You, you want to own Pinterest over this? Fine, sold. Pinterest at 40. I, I agree, Joe. Twitter is a way to get a hold of a gigantic number of people. The ads are very cheap. If you have a business and you want to get direct response, mm-hmm. Twitter is the way. And it's undersold. And I wish I worked for their sales team because I know I could sell better than they could. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I agree with Besides CNBC, Jim, the, where else is the election going to play out on election Twitter. night in the weeks that follow? It's right. going to play Twitter. out on Twitter. Well, I, well, I was thinking about that in, in some respects. And I was going to say, is, is this really a run up into the election? And does the election become a sell on the news for something like, like a Twitter, which has had this appreciation to a two year high, Jim, as we said? Well, look, not if they get this direct response. To, I mean, there was a piece uh, yesterday about Facebook <coughs> and about how the uh, shops are going to be uh, what, a 25 to 50 billion dollar opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're Twitter, you're going to think, OK, well, let's do shops. I gave Ned a list of five things to do. I gave him a big to do list. If he does any three of them, the stock is going to go to 60. So l- let me ask you this then about tech as we wrap up that, that conversation. What's the tell, if any? in the fact that while you have names like Slack and Shopify and Twilio and, and we can throw Tesla in there, but it's its own story in and of itself, that are down double digits in, in most of those respects, Jim, month to date. You have a crowd strike, which Josh Brown has been adding to on a regular basis, he said. That stock's up 12% month to date. Peloton's up 28% month to date. Zoom video, as we talked about earlier, is up 60% month to date. So it feels like almost now within this, you know, high growth tech, it's even bifurcated now in some respects within that group. Yeah, I think some of those stocks are too hot. Uh, I happen to like CrowdStrike and Zoom and talk to them all the time. And uh, I wish they would come down like these, like Fang came down. But I, a lot of people were comparing uh, this market to 1999. So I went back and looked at the charts of 1998 to 2000 for Qualcomm, Intel, Cisco. They were the hottest ones. And believe me, they were far more straight up than this. And they didn't have this kind of correction. I think this correction happens to be very good. I know if you own them, you're saying, well, what, what are you talking about? How could a correction be very good? But we're cool. Those stocks are cooling off. I would, let's not forget, Zoom, after they reported, was down 100 points. Let's not forget that. And the average sell-side t- uh, price target is 394 so they all have to upgrade, just the way they did with, with the, the battery day. Now, I look at this, Scott, and I say, Zoom down 100 turned out to be an opportunity, and yet everyone said Zoom was done. They said DocuSign was done, Scott. They said it was done. No way. Yeah. I mean, I mistakenly bought a piece <laughs> of property. A DocuSign thing came through the facts. I signed it. I bought it. Right. You used to have 12 people I around the DocuSign's table. I think DocuSign's the better play than Zoom. I agree with that, especially with especially with home prices, More, especially with housing. 17 people you, in front of my house because I haven't been there lately. Think I'm selling it crazy. Yep. Why do you think that, Joe? <laughs> the changes are permanent. Zoom. They're, they're, listen, there'll be a little bit of a moderation in behavior once we get a vaccine and once we begin to return to work uh, and I get to come see you in New Jersey each day. But. Uh, clearly for DocuSign, these changes are permanent. This, this is just going to change the behavior for corporations, for the way consumers tr- uh, transact, whether it's for loans or, or, or whatever, the, uh, whatever the transaction might be. 
Carrie, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, and again, I don't, I don't, I want to maybe get a little more if there is more to, to get uh, on Twilio and PayPal. Um, why you, why you mm -hmm. trim those the, the way you did now? Well, we had made a lot of money on them recently, and they were on a, somewhat of an extended journey uh, to the right. You can't claim that, you know, if your stock is up 100% since the bottom, it hasn't had a nice move and you might take some profit. And, and also, we have 35 names or less that we own. And when any one of them gets to be a very large weight or too much of a weight for the portfolio, what we do is we'll trim that name back and buy something else. We bought Mettler Toledo. That was the first time we trimmed Twilio. We bought Mettler Toledo. We bought Fortive and we bought UNH. So those are three names that are not either COVID help or COVID hurt names. They, they were stocks that we thought had a lot of value, had a lot of upside. A growth potential there you know they have a variety of healthcare well they all have some healthcare exposure plus industrial measurement testing and we thought those might be great opportunities for the portfolio and so you know we still own plenty of tech we own all the names that have gone up a lot we've had a very you know good good year with those exposures but it, it was really a matter of sizing of the weight and uh, I, I guess multiple expansion and just a sense that we should uh, we, we would be smart to take some profit. I, I think everyone on on the uh, the desk there would would agree that it's not crazy to take profits when when you've got stocks that are up that much. No, for for certain, Jim. Yeah, look, I'm with Sue She's absolutely United Health. I've been watching come down. It goes trips and drabs because of political risk. The stocks that are up, it's not prudent if you just sit there and let them run. That's what. A bad port. That's not even portfolio management. That's just go to the horse track race and forget it. You're just. Why would you ever do that? You've got to take some gains, or else you're just. You have a chance of giving them back. So I love these choices that she's giving us. I think people should look at a company like United Health because when no, the day, the week after the election, United Health could be at 3:30. So I think these are real good choices. By the way, uh, GoodRx came public today, and that's one of the few uh, IPOs where they're making a lot of money and they have good revenue growth and uh, they are kind of sometimes opposed to United Health, but they will work too because right in the election because they save uh, people money so I like everything she said I think it's just it's it is just common sense and there are a lot of people who have lost common sense because they don't think stocks can ever go down yeah hey hey Joe I'm, I'm looking at Albemarle uh, right now it's getting smoked today it's mm. down just about 14 percent you you sold it can you give me an idea of the timing of that uh, was it today yeah. Oh, oh, yes, it was, Scott. So basically, uh, I bought the high print a few weeks back and uh, sold out of it today. Uh, two reasons. Number one, risk management. And then number two, clearly, uh, the news out of the Tesla battery day was not a good one. The thesis had been is that there would be a demand recovery for lithium, uh, specifically related to cheaper batteries and the penetration of electric vehicles as we push towards 2021. But the news yesterday was clearly very disappointing uh, to that thesis. You see the significant uh, down move today for Albemarle, and I am, uh, I am out of it and taking the loss. All right, and Barrick Gold, you actually bought. Let's do that one real quick before we take GLDs, a break. Uh, yeah, Scott, I, I got some exposure uh, into gold. I like that trade. It's pulled back significantly since August. There's been a lot of liquidation on the part of institutions and the Robin Hood crowd. 
Um, I'm, gonna, I'm okay owning some gold here as an inflation protection. Talk well, I think, Joe, you are so right on, on Rangold, on Barrick Gold, which is now uh, the old Rangold, uh, Dr. Bristow. But more yeah. important, congratulations for saying something that we all know. You bought the Albemarle and you lost money. Uh, there's so many people who come on our network or, or you hear them quoted. They've never lost money ever. I want to put money with them because <laughs> right. they're unbelievable, right? Yeah. How is it that you, I mean, isn't it incredible to never, ever lose money? How great is that? It's a skill. It's a skill. Yeah. It's an acquired skill. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Um, up next, we're going to debate a Dow component that's down more than 20% this year. It just got a downgrade to a sell as well. It's our call of the day, and a reminder you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. The half is back in just two minutes. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. We're back. Good RX. Definitely good today. Trading now, price 33, open 46, stock up 42%. Yet another big-time IPO hitting the market today. Let's get the headlines now with Sue Herrera. Hi, Sue. Hello, Scott. Hello, everybody. Here's what's happening at this hour. New York City's Mayor Bill de Blasio announcing furloughs for another 9,000 city employees. De Blasio said the five-day furloughs will save that city $21 million and be part of broader efforts to close a $1 billion hole in the next year's budget. Britain reporting more than 6,100 new COVID-19 cases. That is the highest daily total since May 1st. It comes as the government considers extending pandemic aid and the country debates some newly announced restrictions. Here at home, Chicago Bears Hall of Famer Gail Sayers has died. He was lauded as one of the best running backs ever. Sayers was also known for his friendship with a teammate who had cancer, and that was recounted in the movie Brian's Song. Sayers suffered from dementia, which his wife blamed in part on his football career. Gail Sayers was 77 years old and a legend. You are up to date, Scott. I'll send it back to you. All right, Sue. Thank you very much. A rare sell call today on AXP American Express. Bank of America downgrading it, citing mounting travel concerns. We've made it our call of the day. Steph, what do you want to do with this? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, these calls are rare uh, to get a sell. <laughs> AXP just got one. I own it, and I would buy more, actually. It is on my list. This is a quality franchise company, great balance sheet, and market share is to be had, especially internationally. Uh, they can take share from Visa and MasterCard, I think, easily. I just think you have to believe in the recovery story, right? You have to the, the reopen, the success rate, getting back to travel and entertainment. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but it is going to happen. And when it does, the stock is going to scream higher. In the meantime, I clip a 2% yield. It's not exactly very expensive, especially if you think earnings have troughed. And I think you're in the troughing process for this company. So I think this is a real value. Quality on sale. Uh, you almost had me thinking that you were talking about Wells Fargo, Steph. You're not going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> Quality on sale. Betting for the long term. Well. Because that's what you said about Wells. I don't know. I don't know. I- that's what you said about Wells. You got Charlie Scharf, um, who made these really insensitive comments about diverse talent. Now, yeah. he's apologized for that, but 
you know, look. It's, one it's of the reasons why you bought this. One of the reasons, forgive me for just a sec. One of the reasons why you told us you bought this stock was because of your big bet on Mr. Sharp. Right. And that's still the case. And it's unfortunate that he said those comments. Um, who knows the context and all that sort of thing. But it is unfortunate. So I'm glad that he actually came out to apologize, addressed it, and that's it. So let's move on. Let's talk about the turnaround story. Let's talk about the fact that this stock is down 50% on the year, trades at 0.6 times book. And they actually just ripped the Band-Aid off in terms of guidance, in terms of capital ratios. So they are doing what they can to clean up this story. I don't know to be honest with you, if I'd say Wells Fargo is as much of a quality franchise as American Express. So American Express has a flawless record and great management. Wells Fargo is a turnaround restructuring story that I don't have many of these in my portfolio. I probably have about five of them in my portfolio. This is one of them, or they're both, both of them. Yeah. All right, Jim. So I'll give you a crack at both of these here. Um, the AXP call to sell and then... Um, you know, what, what you, I know you, you, you don't love Wells no, here, I, I, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the floor. I, I like the American Express sell call. Why? Because it's about needing a vaccine. It's a travel name. It's a leisure name. I think Squirrel fantastic. But, but then again, I think that there are a lot of banks that have come down. Uh, I, I do think that if you think it's fintech, it's the cheapest of the fintech. But I, I thought that the call made sense. And when it comes to, uh, rather than go over the insensitive comments from, from Charlie, which we all know and he has apologized for, I want to uh, point to an essay written by my friend Ray McGuire. Of closing the racial inequality gaps. It's extraordinary. It's from City. Member Ray is, was on our air as chairman banking and, and capital markets advisory. And it's just remarkable about what has to happen in this country and how, just to be sure, because it's about economics, the economic cost of black inequality in the United States and how horrible. How, how horrible it is that we have so many people who have been left behind. I urge people to read this. It's got a lot about what Dr. King said. It is a positive piece within the context of what can happen. The, uh, and I just want to read this one line. The analysis in the report that follows shows that if, you, if four key racial gaps for blacks, wages, education, housing, and investment were closed 20 years ago, $16 trillion could have been added to the U.S. economy. And I urge everyone to go read Ray McGuire's piece. He's quite a man. He's fantastic. Friend from school and um, an inspiration to everybody. Yeah. Uh, Carrie, you want to say something? Uh, I was just going to say in American Express that, you know, I think that there's a case to be made, as Steph has, about the value there and the potential when things are able to, you know, turn around post-vaccine. Uh, unfortunately, American Express, the difference between that and other payment processors, I know there's a big difference, bank, no bank. Uh, is that it's more of a business travel uh, type of card. And the, the fact that business travel continues to be pushed back into the future, where more people are talking about traveling for leisure on a personal basis, but you really don't have that at all in the world when it comes to business travel. And I think that's what's been the danger to the stock. Yep. All right, we're going to take another quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk Costco because it's set to report its earning tomorrow. Earnings. Oh, just said, Scott, why are we doing all these breaks? I don't I, Believe me. What is that about? Believe me. I don't like it. Should all we just right. keep I going? I just want to double check. <laughs> we'll double check. <laughs> we're going to get ourselves into big trouble. We're back after this. Let's just leave it at that. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. 
which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back, Costco. It's set to report earnings after the bell tomorrow. All right, Steph, tell us what you're watching for. We know how well this thing is done. It's positioned well for the environment that we're in. Now what? Well, they report same-source uh, same sales monthly, and they have been off the charts, double digits in all three last month. So I kind of feel like there aren't going to be many surprises. 90% of their revenues are kind of recurring revenues, if you will. Um, they... Um, they really do have the products that people want. And they have the balance sheet and they have the market share. And I also think their global business and global growth opportunities are real. And I think they're underappreciated. I think they can grow globally 2 to 3% a year in terms of their store base. And I don't think that's really factored in. My only issue is the valuation is rich. And so I just kind of ignore it. Anytime I want to sell it, I just walk away yeah. because it's a compounder and it's just a really fabulous management team. Yeah. Okay, Jim, now, what, do you, what do you make of that? I own it for the trust. Don't want to look at it because I'm afraid I'll sell it. Uh, Home Depot was, uh, sells at 25, mm. 24 yeah. times earnings. This is at 40. Totally agree with Steph. It's completely built in. Wouldn't be surprised if the stock gave with this. Without a special dividend or talking about China growth, I think the stock does, does uh, give up some. But you know what? This was the first company to say you got to wear masks. It's got wide aisles. It's going to figure out what to do with samples. Craig Jelinek is fantastic. Rich Galanti, I am nominating him for the best CFO in America. Yeah, he does the conference call. He's brilliant. Is, it's also is, funny. Is that why you, you can't view this in the same vein as you do a Target or Walmart because the P.E. is nearly double those? Costco has been my favorite for years, and it's not just because I love shopping there. It's uh, the international story is unbelievable. They, they remember they had to close the China store while they right after they opened because there was such demand. And one one of the things that I think I, I'm really emphasizing this mass story because I'm not just I'm doing this mass contest with Mark Benioff, but Costco cared more than anyone about this, and they were willing to take the hit. They bet that they they thought they were the only <laughs> company that was going to say, "Look, we want you to wear masks." It turns out they were the leader, not the follower. The prices are great. The the Camus, if they could ship me the Camus, they got the Camus for like seventy eight bucks. Joe, seventy eight bucks for the Camus. Come on. <laughs> you like the Camus? We know you. <laughs> what like company Camus. do you know that has a ninety percent renewable rate? A ninety percent renewable rate. That is all about loyalty and the customer, right? Time. So that's why it deserves to get a, a high multiple, but. You know, it is rich. To actually buy it here, I think, is harder. But I think to hold it makes a lot of sense. Well, wait until after they report. Carrie, is it one of yours or is it too expensive? 
Used we to be. owned it for years, right. and we sold it. Yeah, we, we had a big position. We bought Home Depot. We sold Costco, bought Home Depot. Not right. a bad trade, but no, I wish we owned both, right? No, that is right. I mean, I think people feel like you can't own both. Uh, that's been one of the big mistakes. It's like, take a look at you know how amazing Target is, and yeah. I felt, well, hold it, own Costco, can't own Target. Wrong. Wrong. Target's fantastic. Don't yeah, don't wrong. be mad. Don't be mad at me. Um, don't be mad. We got to take another quick break. Well, we just took one. Well, I know we did. We'll come back. We'll be taking another quick break. Is it a two-minute warning and you got like the kick off? Is it the Falcons playing? That's right. It's like the t- TV timeout. You have one, then you have another timeout. Yeah. We are going to come back. We'll answer your questions kick, next. It's going to go to Dallas. That's what you're doing to me. Yeah. Just let it roll. Let it roll. Welcome back. Let's answer some of your questions. And first up, our new video question. Jim, it's for you. Watch. Hey everybody, I'm Andrea from New York City, huge fan of the show, and my question is, as a 24-year-old new investor, it's my understanding that I can be a bit more aggressive and take on a little more risk with my investing. That being said, let's say I have around a $20,000 portfolio. What percentage do you feel I should be going into some of those riskier high-tech growth names as opposed to putting my money in some safer spots? Thanks. Well, first, because uh, I'm a believer in index funds, you got to put your first 10,000 in index funds. I also like uh, if I'm this gentleman, he's 24. If he has a a risk bent, I am literally willing him to put 50 percent in risk. I'm sure there's some people who think that's too high, but we average have average life expectancy in the 80s. So why not go for it? So half index fund use S&P and then half your heart's desire. You can use an aggressive growth fund if you want to or pick stocks. I would certainly not say that once they reach the 30s, but I just think that to go back in time and have done that and found a fang name would mean that you could be you could retire. So I'm out there 50 percent aggressive for a person who's 24. All right. Love it. Love love the new video questions, too, by the way. Oh, they're, they're being, we're all jealous. We're trying to figure out how to do it on our show. <laughs> Don't steal it. Joe, to you, uh, Clem in Virginia. Is it time to sell Old Dominion? No, it's actually time to buy Old Dominion. You had a nice pullback from 207 down to about 176. 100% U.S. exposure, which I like. We're shipping, uh, we're transporting, rather, consumer and capital goods, which is a great story. Cheap fuel. Uh, Old Dominion, the whole story for 2020 has been that the pandemic is going to restrict margins. That just has not been the case. And this is a, a quality uh, transport name that you want to own and buy here. All right, to the Linkster from Chris in Canada. AMD, is it a buy, staff? I, you know, I like it. I, it's, a, it's a new position for me. I bought it about a month ago um, ahead of the quarter. And um, I just think the news that Intel gave them a three-year lead in the 7 nanometer processor is just a game changer. They also have great like, end market exposure between industrials and gaming. And they've got a, an amazing CEO. I know Jim knows uh, Lisa Sue mm-hmm. very well. And uh, I think she's just, she's just kicking butt. Well, first time I met Lisa Sue, Dr. Sue, first time I met her, before we sat down, she said, you're dead wrong about Intel and we're going to crush them. And AMD was about five, and Intel is where it is now. And I went home and I told my wife, I said, I just had the most amazing dinner in the world. I was schooled before I even sat down. I think this person's right. She's from about 10 blocks where my wife is from in Flushing, and she is a miracle worker. And anyone who doesn't, I, I totally, this is the right level. I know it can still go down because it just moved so much. But the, the fact that she has this lead on Intel is unforgivable. And I know that there are people like, uh, there are people who used to run Intel uh, uh, who just must be well, gassed. There, are, be there gassed. are people who the used to own. Unfortunately, we're not alive. 
would just be shocked to see Jerry Sanders' old company doing better. It's remarkable. There are people who used to own Intel hmm. and who don't anymore, like Steph, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, it was, it was a complete game changer. That was the entire reason why I actually yeah. bought AMD and sold Intel. Let me uh, get one more uh, real quick, carry to you. Zadie, California, uh, I own Salesforce. Should I hold it, buy more, or sell? Well, Zadie, uh, Salesforce, as you know, had an incredible quarter. The stock was up 26% the day they reported it in August. Now, the stock has come back um, not quite halfway, but it's come back over 10%. And we definitely would hold it. We think that it's got an incredible runway. With remote workers, companies need to be in touch with their colleagues. And in order to be in touch better with their clients and customers, I think having a CRM system is a necessity now, and that's pulled forward. It started to accelerate business that might have been a few years off. So we still like Salesforce a lot. It's not a cheap stock, but definitely hold on to it. All right. Speaking of the CEO, Mark Benioff is going to be on the closing bell today, 4 o'clock Eastern. It's a CNBC exclusive interview. Let's Plus. hope he mentions the mass contest that he are doing. He and I, yes. XPRIZE, uh, uh, this is XPRIZE.org slash mask, where uh, we're, the best community mask is being designed. It's something he and I felt away from all this stuff that's business. We have to get people to wear masks. Yeah. So we have to design better masks. And he's the king of, of wearing masks. Been all over that you have, Jim. Yes, you have. It's everything for yeah. me. Keep your saving lives. Yeah. Saving keep, lives. Keep your video questions coming, too. We love it. We'll play it on air. Send it to Ask Halftime at CNBC. Com. We take a quick break. You're not going to play that music now that often indicates we're going. No, there it is. That's the music. Jim. I'm trying to kill one. I can't kill one break. <laughs> Steph, Curry, Joe, help me here. I'm going to give you the number of the person you can call to ask that question. Oh. None of which no, you just I, mentioned. No, I don't. I love. <laughs> you want to go there? I love commercials. I love <laughs> many more. There's Delivering Alpha. It's back 10 years. Our 10th anniversary, September 30th. Guests including the Treasury Secretary, Stephen Mnuchin. Carla Harris, Shamath Palihapiti, and many more to learn and register. Visit DeliveringAlpha.com. We're back in two minutes. Let's do the futures outlook. Gold prices tumbling again. Now back to the lowest level since July. Our Scott Nations today looking at some key levels that could spell more pain ahead. Scott, what's our trade today? Well, I think we want to be short, but why do we want to be short? Well, it's because the dollar inexplicably is stronger. Dollar index above 94, up more than 1% over the last three days. And, Scott, we want to be short gold because it should be rallying. I mean, now the Fed is going to be lower forever. So I want to sell the D's contract, 1900 even. Uh, my target to the downside would be 1820Y because that is just above where it consolidated and gathered itself before the big rally. It got, gathered itself there in July. Uh, my stop to the upside is going to be eight, nine, 1925. 1925. We're always going to trade these with a stop. So we're risking 2500 to make 8000 But, Scott, something interesting. Uh, the CME offers smaller size contracts. So if you like the trade but you don't like those numbers, those big numbers, then you can use one of the smaller contracts. All right. Good stuff, Scott. I appreciate that. Scott Nations for us. Another quick break. We're back. Final trades and two calls today that are absolute trash. We'll explain when we come back. Jim, Mad Money, tonight, 6 p.m., what do you got? Smart. Just another one of these just smoking hot cloud platform for business applications. And this one's Anaplan. Everyone knows Frank Calderoni from the old days in Cisco. And I just think that this group is still hot. Still All works. Right. All right. Good stuff. We'll look forward to that, of course. Uh, let's talk about these calls. I mentioned J.P. Morgan with a couple of them. Waste Connections. I don't hardly ever talk about that. 
Carrie, you own it, though. Upgraded to overweight today. Waste management downgraded to underweight. Jim, you own that. Carrie, you first on Waste Connections. It's a recession-proof necessity. And in higher home buying and frenzy, municipalities have more money to spend on waste. Jim, you got something for me quick before that we do so, finals? That was such a fatuous downgrade. It was, I, I couldn't look at it, frankly. I mean, I put it right on the waiver wire. You threw it right in the trash? Yeah, just yeah, just like, like, are you kidding me? Trees, trees died for that? Yeah. All right, let's do final trades. Uh, Jim, why don't you start us off? What do you have for us today? I want you to talk about Chipotle for a second. Why CMG? Because this is, again, this is the doesn't need a vaccine to do great. It's like Nike. It's incredible. It does better with that. It's, it's making as much money in the stores as it was before. What a company. Yeah. It's been great having you today. Uh, love, love the it. back and forth. Uh, we'll see you tonight at 6. That's Jim Cramer. Mad Money, of course. Uh, Carrie, next to you. Baba. The Chinese economy may be growing faster than any other economy in, in the globe, and they dominate their space. The stock's down, you know, in, this, is in the correction. All right. Stephanie Link? Off of the Nike quarter, VF Corp. Strong brands, 40% DTC, and a cash position that covers that dividend. Okay. Finally, Joe Terranova. I think everyone wants to buy Chewy. The better trade is to own the ETF Pause, P-A-W-Z. That's what I own. You get the entire pet care industry. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody. Been fun. Thanks for watching. The Exchange starts now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.